and uh, getting through hurt and pain and all that kind of stuff. And I'm telling you, if you let God do it, and if you fully de devote your life to God, he'll do something incredible in your life. And your story, you know, it, it can have power. So we want to bring somebody up here and uh, tell their story. Amen. I don't know, has this been good for you guys? It's a little different, but it's, it's good to hear stories of people overcoming and what God's doing through that and how we can get through it. So we're going to have our children's director, Sharon McCurdy, come up here and uh, tell some of this. She's independent. Um, yes, she is. <laughs> Her son knows that. Is that amen? Did I hear that? You got to say it. I can't hear you very well. Amen. Um, anyway, first of all, we're thankful for you, Sharon. Thankful for everything you've been doing back there and rearranging and reorganizing. And um, you have a great gift. And um, we're, we're grateful that you're a part of this house and what God has done here at this house and your willingness just to just to lay aside yourself and say you know I, I want to do this I believe in this generation um, but we're going to tell the story because it wasn't like that all the time no it wasn't just turn it on if they don't have it on I don't know uh, hello is that better yeah okay they're doing um, a good job up there I just want to say one thing real quick to Lauren <clears throat> Your grandma used to come up here when we would sing Reckless Love, and there's a line in it that says, coming after me. And she would always say, coming after Gabe. So from now on, when I hear the song Reckless Love, I'm going to pay her back and say, coming after Lauren. Yeah, that's fine. Good. So kind of as we've started just with others and gone back, we're going to go a little way back. But uh, tell us a little bit about how you grew up, Sharon, and um, your home life, what it was like as you began. Because as you can see, all of us um, who came up here had different home lives at different times, different beginnings. And um, I think sometimes we don't realize that it really does matter where we come from, what takes place that can shape and form the things that we do, choices that we make, and um, the whole goal is how we overcome them, yeah. correct? Correct, correct. Um, so I am one of five children. I am the only girl, middle child, and we, I was born in northern Indiana in Kokomo, and we lived in a rented two-story farmhouse there uh, for many years, and then we decided when I was about I was in first grade, we moved down to this part of Indiana and we lived out towards New Goshen on top of 150 on Colker Hill. So yeah, pretty pioneer type stuff talking. Um, we lived on five acres um, and in a double wide trailer. And we were pretty happy for the most part for the first few years. And then we bought a house in New Goshen, which used to be a bar. It was a converted bar into a house. And it was, it sat right there on, as you come around the curve into Negotian, it sat right there. It used to be called the Hutch's Hut. That's what it was called. Um, and from that point forward, things kind of started to unravel with my family. Uh, my mom got involved uh, with some people 
she, my mom uh, is gifted uh, in certain things and she got involved with the wrong people and she developed her psychic abilities and healing abilities through that. And Now, when you say gifted, I want to kind of clarify that yeah. for people to understand is that God gives us gifts to right. do things. And I believe each one of us have different gifts to um, see and to hear and to know what God's doing. Some of it, it talks about it in the word. He said, you know, somebody's given the gift of teaching some of the prophetic, some of different areas. And if you do not know that, um, I suggest that you pick up your word at times and look into study about those giftings um, because it's very important to know there's even a story in the Bible about a young woman um, that was following the disciples and she um, was given the ability pretty much it was the gift of prophecy but what it was is it was used in witchcraft at that point under um, being used for uh, psychic abilities and they turned around and the disciples cast it out of her and it did not make the people who were making money off of her very happy but the the, the point of that is what I want to say is I believe all of us have a gift in ourselves that God is giving to do different things whether it's some of us you know I believe we all have the ability to pray over the sick and heal and do those things but there's just some you know he's given those abilities to um, and if we don't use them for the right purposes they get turned upside down Right. And I don't want to confuse anybody with that. It just, I grew up in it. I grew up around it. So for me, it's just kind of like, this is what it is. Um, but Pastor Jen is absolutely correct in that. And when that happened, she started attending um, a place called the Psychic Center Church of Terre Haute. Um, she did take me to it a few times. And my family kind of unraveled from that point. And my parents, who in my 13, almost 14 years, I'd never heard argue um, I overheard them arguing one night right before I was getting ready to go to band camp for a week the next morning. And so about midnight, I could hear my parents uh, arguing, and my dad left. I, I've never been around that before. My parents didn't drink. They didn't do any of that. So I was like, where did my dad go? And my dad, and, and I just want to back up and say something really quick. My mom is the sweetest woman you ever want to meet. My dad is amazing. I have amazing parents in that aspect. Um, he left, and I could hear, I remember, I can hear his truck going all the way down 150. My dad was not a fast driver, but you would have thought he was a NASCAR. Like, he, when he left, he left. He came back. I was worried he wasn't going to come back. He came back. He didn't say a word to me about it. He just took me, dropped me off at the bus with the other kids. I came back a week later. He picked me up again and told me that my parents were getting a divorce and my mom had left and left him with all five of the kids. And he did, he told me, but she did tell me if you wanted to come live with her, you could. But not the boys. But not the boys. The boys would have been too much for her, I think. Um, so I was a daddy's girl, straight up daddy's girl. Like I could not believe that that had been placed on me. By my mom not understand I didn't understand what she was going through I didn't understand her childhood I didn't understand what she herself was going through and so I thought about it and I wrote my dad this big long letter and told him how much I loved him and I'd always be daddy's girl and but I really felt like if my mom had chose me over all the kids and she really needed me so I needed to go stay with my mom I gave him the letter she came and picked me and my two younger brothers up for a visit and we were at the sack and save 
right up here at the North Plaza, and I'll never forget it. Um, we were standing in front of the green beans, and I said, listen, I said, I talked to dad, and I told him that I would come and live with you. And she looked at me and said, nah, I've changed my mind. I don't want you to stay with your dad. From that moment on, I felt something shut down in me like it went cold. It was just like a snap, and it was done. So. Those moments harden your heart. Yeah, and I think that's what happened. You know, and obviously, you know, parents speak out of their own hurt, too. Yes. Hurt people hurt people, church. Mm-hmm. And that, that happens a lot. And um, I think, you know, in those moments, one, you wasn't even in a safe place. Like, like no, safe we were place. in a grocery store. Grocery <laughs> store. So that's hard to... Yeah, so from that point forward, um, my parents went ahead and, and went through the divorce, and my mom and I had a very rough relationship because if you don't know me, I can be a pretty stubborn person, and I was raised in the family that um, when they're done with you, they are done with you. You don't talk. You don't communicate. You're just done. And it doesn't matter if it's a brother. It doesn't matter if it's an aunt or uncle. It doesn't matter. I don't understand that spirit, and it's something that we've been trying to break for, for years now. Um, but it's, that's the way it is. And so from that point forward, I kind of, my heart was hardened towards some things, especially towards my mom. Um, I, I will say that as a teenager, I was a brat towards her. I used her. I was not very nice to her. Um, I felt like she had abandoned me, so why should I do anything nice? You know, why should I be the good daughter for her? And I put her through a lot. I really did. And um, I drank. I was promiscuous. I did all the things that I shouldn't do. Um, And I even followed along with her with some of the uh, going to the psychic fairs and trying to develop giftings, what they call giftings. Do you feel like in those moments, even though you were doing things out of spite, despite her, if you were going with her to these certain things, do you feel like you were still trying to gain approval? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I did, and that was the one thing we could connect on, and I think it was, it was um, yes, I was trying to gain her approval. But it opened a lot of doors to you that should not have been open. You know what I'm saying? Because when we begin to search for things in all the wrong places, isn't it funny that, and we are not here to bash, you know, other churches or other religions, but let's be honest that um, across the board, no matter what it is, that Jesus Christ is the only way the truth and the life. And if we do not recognize that, that the only, the word says, we talked about this, that the only way to get to him is through, through Jesus, through Christ going to the only way to get to heaven is through that way. And we stand here at Remnant Church on the word of God. And so what happens is when we take a little piece from here, a little piece from there, because you said you had grown up learning all kinds of different things. And so that makes it hard. Yeah. So that wasn't the only thing before my parents separated, my, my mom and dad both were raised in the Catholic households. Um, and uh, my mom came from a broken home. My dad came from a, a, he was the only child and they were raised in the Catholic church. And so we, we went to the Catholic church for a while. I always attended mass with my, with my grandmother, um, for Easter, Christmas, that sort of thing. I was never allowed to take communion. I couldn't approach the altar because I wasn't baptized. That was the one thing my parents decided that if we wanted to be baptized, we could make that decision on our own as adults is what they had decided. 
But we went from the Catholic Church. Um, I remember when I was like four, we were attending a Jehovah Witness church. I was escorted out of the church one night at the age of four because I said that I believed that Jesus Christ was my Lord and Savior and that he had died for me. And if you know anything about the Jehovah Witness, it's not that they don't believe in Jesus. I actually had to look this up to, like, why would they escort a four-year-old child out of a church, you know? Um, it's not that they don't believe in Jesus, but they believe anything above God. They don't believe in the Trinity. They just believe that God is it and that Jesus was his son, but all he was was somebody who walked the earth, that sort of thing, and that the Holy Spirit is just a, it's, it's a... Um, example of his power and that is it they do not believe in the trinity so for me to have said that was kind of like oh well she's putting something above god so we need to get her out of here i was not allowed to celebrate christmas we did not have tvs we did not celebrate easter we didn't celebrate anything we i could not say the pledge of allegiance when i went to school because the flag is a false idol to them i mean it's it was pretty so different there were a lot of different depictions of just a relationship with god yeah yeah, I never How, had like was, that. You never yeah. knew the real reality of relationship. And honestly, you never had a real relationship with your mother. And then your relationship with your dad was probably difficult just from the fact of he wasn't a mom at that moment. You know what I'm saying? And he, you talked about that, how he did his very, very best, but you were the one to probably give him the he, run around. He would tell you that he would raise his four boys again and he would never raise me again, is what he would say. <laughs> He'd do it all over again. Um, but well, It's hard as that during that time for you as a, a young lady you've experienced so much religion that you didn't know what word God truly was what you, you had all these false gods and all this stuff and then when your home was broken you didn't have security with mom or our dad as a unit and then mom was trying to find herself so you didn't even have it with mom or even have it independently with dad because he was trying to figure it out himself too well my dad worked nights yeah. So he the, worked 3.30 to midnight. So my youngest brother at the age of eight, he had to leave him home alone. And he depended on his older children to kind of run the house, which he had to. And we were all kind of lost. And so I had one brother go off to college. I had another brother that was in high school, had his friends, played sports. I was just kind of out there partying, doing my own thing. And then I had my second to the youngest brother who eventually did go live with my mom because he experienced some tragedy in our neighborhood, um, he lost a friend to an explosion, and it just kind of set him over. But being a teenager yeah. and not having guidance, and yeah. you know, and they say that's why we're so, you know, even with these these kids and these youth, whatever these teenagers start setting in their mind is going to follow them for the next 30, 40 years, Truth. basically the rest of their life. Um, and when you don't have the guidance, it just gets real muddied up. It's true. I was going to say, so as you grew and you grew up, you, like you said, you made choices. You were promiscuous, different choices that were made um, because, number one, you, you, you know, it's, it's funny that we can have good things in our lives, but good things can be made wrong when they aren't directed in the right purpose with what God wants. Right. And uh, how do you think that shaped you as you got a little older, you, um, you know, with getting married, different things like that, your children having... Um, your children, and I want to say that because not everybody knows that um, you had children. And so um, just give us a little bit of that as you got older. So as I grew up, um, I started dating a boy that I had known my entire life, and um, we had a child together, 
His name is Kyle. Um, and we never got married. Uh, we were together for several years, and I finally got tired of the abuse and the alcoholism, and so I left. And when I left, I took Kyle with me and uh, didn't make some good choices there either. Uh, when I left, I got involved with, a, uh, with another man. I was barely 22 years old. And when I, I had Kyle when I was 19, and I got involved with another man and moved to North Carolina. Um, I did marry him, did not have a child with him, but I got tired of his physical abuse. He literally tried killing me a couple of times. And so I divorced him and moved home and got involved with another man that I had known my entire life. Didn't marry him, but did have my son Gabriel with him. So at this point I had two children and, <laughs> wow, this is a lot, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Don't judge me. I'm, I'm judging you on the inside. You know what's powerful? Um, Honestly, <laughs> the story I thought about, Sharon, you're standing here, and I was like, man, you remind me of the woman at the well, and yeah. God just came and yeah. knocked you out your but, socks yeah, off at, at one day. Look but at this moment, though, Sharon. You had, your, your world was rocked, yeah. and you had no stability. You were trying to find love in all different ways. Yeah. And yeah. You're, you're, you're putting yourself on blast, but what God has over, uh, helped you overcome you know how many people are stuck in relationship after relationship after relationship, jumping from relationship because they don't have a source as the anchor of their soul? Yeah. Well, and especially the same type of relationship. You went from one form of abuse to another form of abuse to another form of abuse because until we break that cycle in our mind, we still attract the same yeah. thing. That's all I know. You know yes. what I'm saying? It's just that same kind of stuff. Yeah. So then, so then I got involved with another man. I did marry him, did not have children with him. And again, it turned out to be very abusive. Uh, and so I left him, divorced him, and I was done. I'm like, I'm done. I, I have a broken picker. I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm not, you know what I mean? My like, claw machine is down. Down. <laughs> it's down. I had put my boys through enough. Um, as a matter of fact, my oldest son, Kyle, when we moved back home from North Carolina, he came and I actually I moved back to my hometown so that he could be close to his dad because his dad and I did not like each other we could not speak we did not have a relationship the whole thing about child support and visitation that old argument I, can I just say to anybody right now who's going through that don't hold your kids back because the dad's not paying child support or the mom's not paying child support the only person you are hurting is that child so if there is no reason for a child not to have a relationship with their father other than you're bitter or their mother other than you're bitter, then that's on you. Yep. So you have to put those emotions aside and not dictate your, relation, your child's relationship with their other parent because of how you feel. So, sorry, I mean, no, that's, that, okay. that's, that's a platform no, that's <laughs> because okay. I made that mistake and my child was the one that got hurt. And so when we, I, he came home one night from visiting because we were switching off every other week. I was trying to make it right because I had realized my mistake. And again, it, we, we just could not get along. His dad and I, it was just, there was too much hurt. There was too much pain. His dad never abused him. It was just me. And so he was remarried and he had, you know, a great uh, wife and um, two daughters and everything else. And he came home one night, Kyle did, and he just laid in my lap and he cried and he cried and he cried. And he said, Mom, I just need to tell you this. He says, <laughs> he goes, I feel like I'm breaking up with you. <laughs> it's the only thing he could say. He says, but 
I really just want to go live with my dad. That tore me up. But I was like, why do you want to go live with your dad? He said, well, because he has a home and he has a family and he has stability. I was like, but you know, your dad has, you know, he has drinking problems and things like that too, you know. So I had to weigh all that out. I let him go, whether it was right or wrong, I don't know, but it became part of his life. And so he went and he lived with his dad and he graduated high school. We maintained a relationship. At this time, I had his younger brother, Gabe, and Gabe and I just kind of did our thing and I got married um, again to Dion and Dion became Gabe's basically his dad. I mean, he was there for him for everything. Um, but then when that turned abusive and I left him, he cut Gabe out of his life completely. So he didn't have anything to do with him. And so there was just me and Gabe. And that's where I said, I'm done. Well, and then <laughs> your, your own abandonment piled on other abandonment because as a mother, you felt responsible for that feeling as well. Um, it's, it's a lot. That's it, a lot to carry, lot. especially when you, don't, when you don't have Christ as the center and you're trying to muddle through emotions and muddle through a mess. Normally, we don't make wise choices because our lives are not grounded. You know what I'm saying? Um, it, it's, it's taking a chance every time without having, you know, that stability. It's not a faith walk. It's just a, well, well, we'll see yeah. kind of what happens. And it, it can make a mess of things at times. And then we're trying to dig through our own mess while our kids are struggling and everything else is going on. Um, Tell us a little bit about what happened as the kids get, got older. So um, as the kids got older, a little bit older, I met my now husband. Another man. Another man. But this time it was the right man. <laughs> hey, hey. hey, Papa. And, but, what, <laughs> but what led me to that was when, when I divorced, when I got divorced from Dion, I, my dad had given me a book. Now, I've always believed in God. Believe it or not, as convoluted as my relationship or non-relationship with God was growing up, I had always known that Jesus died for me. I had always had that in my heart, and I always, always believed that. And my dad had given me a book by Joyce Meyer called <laughs> The Battle Belongs to the Lord. And he had actually given it to me several years prior, and I never read it, but because my dad gave it to me, I kept it. I pulled that book out, and the very first paragraph in there said the scripture, do all the crisis demands you to do, and then stand still and let the Lord do the rest. I stood on that. That became my, that became my anthem. It became my, my, my boundary for, because I knew I was making mistakes and I knew I was going down a, a bad road and I knew I was dragging my kids with them because I did drink, I did do all these things. I lived that worldly life. I went into marriages thinking, well, if it doesn't work, we'll just get a divorce. I did that. And so I read that book through seven times in a row. Well, because you were so used to broken relationships, so it was just a habit. Yep. It's just something that you can do. If that's all you know, that's what you do. And, and what's crazy is even in that, and I want to put this out there, is even in the midst, you, you had word before you in scripture. You knew and you believed that Jesus had died for you. But the fact of it was, is it never became real to you yet. No. And, and, and this is crazy. Is, and what I want to say to you out of Sharon's testimony right now, just stopping there before we go any further, is that 
we can live our lives and we can read scripture and we can know of God, but knowing him and truly being in the word and having the word live in you is completely different than making whimsical choices off of just having a scripture that gives you some sort of foundation to stand because you still were not in a relationship fully with Christ. You were just going off of that you know, kind of like with God, if this doesn't work, then we'll just get a divorce, God. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. And, and I, will, I will be honest and say this whole time throughout all this, I was going to psychics. I was being directed by psychics. I was listening to, I was having my mom read my cards. I was doing these things, all of these things. And so I wasn't looking to God for answers. I was looking everywhere else. I was looking at the wrong spirit. You were spirit. psychics and crystals and yeah all of it the moon and yep. energy and yeah all of all the spiritual and this stuff, stuff ain't yep. like it's no. just oh, and, and it, I it's think, strong it's almost stronger today than it's ever been yeah ever well i think a lot of people dabble in it just thinking eh, you know let, let me tell you it's, it's halloween let's you let's yeah. pull out the ouija board it's it's real it's yeah. real it's very real and i remember i had it okay so let me back up here a second so i meet jeremy we start dating, and I was like, I'm not, I can't, I can't, because I have a broken picker. This is not the guy for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't. And then just something deep in my soul was like, stick it out. Stick it out. See where it goes. And so he and I both were actually going through a divorce at the time. And he finally came to me, and he said, look, I'm just going to tell you this right now. My divorce is final. I'm moving forward. What are you going to do? I was like, all right, so let's do this thing. So I finalized my divorce, and we start building this relationship. And um, my son Kyle was very bitter about it in the beginning. Um, Gabe was kind of accepting. He was still young enough. He was like, okay, you know, I like him. Cool. We're dating probably three years, I believe. And my son Kyle gets cancer. And I was just finished, well, actually, it had been about two and a half years because I was going to college. I had lost my job. I've never been fired before. But as soon as he and I started dating, for whatever reason, I got fired from my job. I, had to just, I was a single parent. I was my only source of income. I had to figure this out. So I decided to go back to school full time and live off of student loans and financial aid. And it worked out. I got my degree, finally. Um, but that's a whole different story. But we... We started dating. I moved him in. Just a few weeks after I moved him in, something happened. <laughs> and it wasn't anything, I mean, it wasn't anything towards me, but uh, he, he got a DUI, and he had to do a whole summer. I'm sorry, baby, I'm throwing you under the bus here. <laughs> okay. I moved him in two weeks before Christmas. He went out with some friends. He got a DUI and ended up having to do weekends in jails for the whole summer. 10 weeks. So then, um, and what was funny about it was as bitter as my son was, I wasn't gonna tell anybody about it. I thought, oh my gosh, here I go. I just got myself into another one of those relationships. Like I really was just like, ugh. Another one bites the dust. Yeah. So my son comes over Christmas Eve and he's like, where's Jeremy? Cause this happened the night before Christmas Eve. And he's like, Where's Jeremy? I said, I, I didn't know what to say. He was like, Mom, where's Jeremy? I said, he's in jail. 
And he's like, are you kidding me? What for? So I told him, he goes, oh, my God. He goes, you bailed me out once. Bail him out. I said, I can't. I don't have the money to bail him out. I said, I can't do it. So my son bails him out of jail. He leaves jail. He goes and sees his kids Christmas morning. Nobody knew a thing about it. We went through this whole summer. My family, nobody knew a thing about it. I had asked him to move out after that because I was not going to go through this again. And he promised me that if I stuck it out with him, he would spend the rest of his life making it up to me. So I'm holding you to that. <laughs> so, but, and, and so we've had our ups and downs, so but he did. Y'all want to go back to the fact of when you talked about with um, Kyle and getting cancer. How old was he when he found out? Kyle was 22 years old when we found out he had cancer. He had Ewing sarcoma cancer. And um, what, how we found out was he was jumping on a trampoline with his little sister and felt his leg pop. And he walked around on it for a full week. Now, what I didn't know about my son at the time was he was using heroin and he was addicted to pain pills. He bought his own house when he was 19. He had a good job. He, he was the best kind of kid. I mean, like, people were just drawn to him. It, it was really strange. People were drawn to him. Um, he was nice to everybody, and people, you either loved him or you hated him. There was no in-between, but most of the people loved him. But he was using heroin at the time, and so he, was, he walked around on a broken femur for a week, working at um, Smith Aerospace. And when I finally convinced him to go to the doctor, the doctor told him uh, he was sending him to a ortho here in Terre Haute the next week. So another week went by. We get there, and the, they took an x-ray of his leg before the doctor even came in, and they, the doctor came in with the x-ray threw it up on the board, and I'm sitting there, and he says, Kyle, what'd you do to your leg? Kyle says, well, I don't know. Like, a couple weeks ago, I was jumping around on trampoline with my sister, and I felt something pop, and I just went down. He said, two weeks ago? He said, yeah, and he says, and he looks at me, and he says, well, I'm not going to beat around the bush. He says, whatever you've done, you about broke your femur in two. He said, and he looks at me, and he says, I think your son has cancer. I think your son has bone cancer. And more specifically, I think it's Ewing sarcoma. And I was like, I just immediately started crying. Because I had known for the last year that he, there was something wrong with him. And we, he leaves the room, and Kyle looks at me, and he goes, you can't cry. I'm not crying. You can't cry. I said, Kyle? He says, he don't know what he's talking about, Mom. I said, Kyle, I work for doctors. They don't just go in a room and say that. They say that if they know, and he knows. And so he came back, he gave us a bunch of instruction, and he said, um, I'm going to send you up to Indy next week. He said, we're going to get this treatment started. Ewing sarcoma cancer, if you don't know about it, it's so rare. One in a million people get it a year, and it's usually in teenage boys. Wow. Yeah. And it's the second most painful cancer next to mesothelioma. And so on Father's Day, Kyle owned his own house about six miles up the road from me and he calls me on Father's Day and he says mom we had done the MRI to confirm it and everything and we we're waiting on those results and he says mom I can't get out of bed I feel like I got a bag of concrete on my leg and I was like okay I'm gonna call the doctor let's see what we got to do so I called the doctor 
he calls me back and he says, I was going to wait until Monday to call you since it's Father's Day weekend. He says, but uh, it is confirmed he does have cancer and it's aggressive and you need to get up to Indy right now. So I called my son and I said, hey, I'm going to come get you. We got to go to the hospital. He was like, what's going on? And the one thing that Kyle told me throughout this whole thing, there's two things. He said, mom, don't ever lie to me. And when you tell my story, because I know you're going to, don't sugarcoat it. I said, okay. And from that point forward, um, we went to the hospital. He went up to Indy. He started treatment. And that's where we found God. And yes, he looks exactly like me. (laughs) Sorry, Gabe. Um, we went through a spiritual battle with him. I remember when, um, and there's lots of things I could tell you, but the main point is the enemy sent people to try to distract us from finding God and not just finding God, but building that relationship with God. And when I say he sent people, he sent some people. (laughs) He sent some, I can't, I'm not going to go into all that, but I want to focus on what Kyle and I learned together and what we learned as a family throughout all of this. Um, So I said that Kyle was a heroin addict. About two weeks before we found out he had cancer, Kyle had been gone on a business trip and he called me one night and he said, hey mom, he said, I've been gone. I don't have any food. Can you bring me some groceries? Now, I hadn't heard or seen of my child in two weeks. So I'm like, yeah. (laughs) So I'm like loading up the grocery bags. Well, the night before all that happened, Gabe and I are sitting on the couch, and we're watching this documentary on heroin use. I had no idea. Like, I, I just turned it on, and I just felt this need to watch it. I had no idea that my son was involved in any of this. Jeremy comes walking in the house, and he was like, what are you doing letting Gabe watch this? This is, like, real stuff. And I said, well, he's got to know, right? I mean, that's where I was. The next night, I get the phone call from Kyle. I go to his house. I don't even look at him when I first open the door. I'm carrying in all these groceries, and I'm, like, putting groceries up in his, in his kitchen and everything. And finally, I turn around and look at him, and he's standing there, and he's shaking. And he had lost so much weight that his head was too big for his body and his sweatpants were falling off of him and I just looked at him and went oh my god what is wrong with you and he tried to deny it his girlfriend sat there and tried to deny it he even ran to the bathroom and locked himself in there and was screaming for me to get out of his house I'm pounding on the door saying I'm not leaving you I'm not quitting you know we don't do this what's going on I turn around and I I looked at his girlfriend. I said, don't tell me it's just the pills. This is more than the pills. What's happening with my child? And so he finally let me in the door and he was like, mom, it's nothing. It's nothing. And I just, it just clicked with me. I said, oh my God, Kyle, are you doing heroin? And he just lost it. He was like, how did you even know that? So you had a son who was addicted to heroin and then he ended up getting cancer because you had found that out after the fact. And you said when you had went up to Indy, that's where you had found God. So obviously um, Kyle ended up giving his heart to the Lord. 
before he died. Yeah. Yes, and, he did. And, and that's, that's, that's what's crazy is yeah. that um, God, God will meet you anywhere if you allow him. Yeah. He'll come right where you need him if you allow him. And uh, one of the things I remember you telling me as we were talking about this is that um, you ended up telling God that, you know, if he would keep your son, that you would end up reading the Bible at the time, which you didn't know was a Catholic Bible, but you were trying to tell him, you know, we, there's just different things, but you just were, you were in honesty of a mother reaching out and saying, if you save my son. So the deal I made with God was in the very beginning, I said, look, I looked at, and it was actually Kyle's Bible, Bible from when he got baptized. I said, look, God, I'll make a deal with you. I will read this thing from front to back if you will save my son. Halfway through it, Kyle died. What was interesting, though, was every time Kyle had a question about something, though, because he got very spiritual there towards the end. When, you have, when you're faced with your own mortality, um, you get very spiritual. And when they say people don't talk about their money, they don't talk about this, that, or the other, they just want to know God, they want to know family, they want to it's the truth. Well, what's crazy is you're either going to get closer to God and do what you yeah. need to do, or you can, you're just going to allow the enemy to come in and continue yeah. to wreak havoc. Yeah. Um, so what took place, you said he passed away, and um, the one thing that hit me with it is you said you were mad enough with God that you ended up reading that whole Bible I anyways. Did. It, despite him. Because despite I was going to keep mad. my end of the deal. But, but you were mad. Yes, Let's I just be mad. honest. Yes, I you were mad. mad. So the day, okay, so when Kyle, Kyle called me and said, hey, mom, he was actually at the hospital. We had decided to finish off his radiation and chemo and stuff here. Uh, and we thought this whole time that he was, he was curable because that's what the doctors up in India had told us. And there's, he called me one morning and said, hey, I need you to get here to the hospital but I don't want you to, to rush or anything. He said, I don't, I don't need you getting in an accident. And I was like, what's going on? And he said, Mom, I'm going to die. I said, what are you talking about? He said, the doctor just came in and told me that I am terminal. I have uh, one to three months, and that's it. I was like, no, no, no. He, that's, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I said, I'll be there in a minute. Well, I get there, and the hospice nurse is walking out. And I go in the room, and I'm like, what's going on? And Kyle said, Mom, I'm going home to die. I said, no, you're not. Let's talk to the doctor first. So he brought the doctor in. The doctor explained everything to me. I went, huh. We had four nurses in the room. I said, so I need for you to release him. I need for you to get his list of meds. I need for you to do this. I need for you to do that. I said, I'm going to go call your brother, Matt, and we're going to Mexico to the Gershon Institute, and we're going to fight this. And he said, no, I'm going home to die. I said, no, you're not. And so we got in this huge argument, and the nurses were crying. The doctor left the room, and they were like, Kyle, listen to your mom. He's like, you don't understand, Mom. It's just my time. And so we went home for him to die. And he had 
pastor after pastor. We had three different pastors come and pray the prayer of salvation over him. They just felt compelled to. We had, um, I had a dream in the very beginning of all this. I'll just tell you guys this because this is very significant. I had a dream in the very beginning of this before we knew that Kyle had cancer, um, that I was in this dark room and I look over to my right and Kyle's standing beside me and I'm like, what are you doing here? So you, you shouldn't be here right now. And then I felt this demonic presence come up in my left ear and whisper to me, you think you're the only one? I found somebody else. And I turn around and look and my son is covered in blood. And so I turn in my dream, I turn and I put my hand behind me and I'm like, you got to go. You got to run. I got this. You got to go. You got to run. And I woke up and I'm crying. I'm shaking. I'm crying. And Jeremy's telling me it's just a dream. It's just a dream. And I said, no, that was a warning. That was a warning. And then it wasn't too long after that. We found all this out. We found out he was using heroin. We found out that he had cancer. And so when we, he went home to die. But the key of that, Sharon, is that in the end, and, and I want to say this to you as parents, is that ultimately God is still in control. Yeah. And no matter what we want to do to either protect or do what's right, especially as our children get older, I believe we have a right to our children as they're younger. You are what teaches them about Jesus Christ. You are the foundation. You are the one who shares them and gives them the hope. But once they come to that age of accountability, you still set standards in your home. I believe so until your child moves out. And if they're grown adult in your home, that's still your home. You set your standards for what you need to as your home. But when it comes down to it, they have choices to make and you are not their salvation. No. And the thing about it is, is you can't save them from anything, but you can give them everything by giving them Jesus Christ. Right. And the biggest thing about it is, is one of the things that you have said to me as we've gone along and kind of, you know, not to skip um, like even that, but just one of the things you said to me is that you, that is the one thing you wish if you could go back and change that you would have given that firm foundation of God yes. in your children's lives. Um, thank God he redeems no matter what, you know, and goes on. And now you, you have your son, you have your son who, when he did pass away, he did yeah. receive Jesus Christ yeah. and asked to, you know, for that to be in his heart. And you knew that you knew that as a matter of a fact, even though you were still battling in yourself, um, cause you were still trying to deal with your own things that were going on. And you have a son that's sitting in here today with his wife and child, um, in the back that, um, are serving Jesus Christ. And so, um, God's the redeemer of all things, but they chose those things on their own. Yeah. And that's hard as a mom yeah. to let go. Um, Give, give us a little bit in depth after what happened is, um, I know that Kyle went home. You said that you went home and he passed away when he was at home. Yes. Um, that's where he wanted to be. He knew, yeah. and he was at peace. You had yes. even said that yeah. he was at peace. Um, but you went through a battle then after that. And, uh, what led you, what led you? Because you ended up coming you and Jeremy and Gabe ended up coming. Um, I, I wanted to say Gibby because that's all I knew <laughs> at that time. But you guys came at that time, during that, after that had happened, and you ended up coming to Remnant Church. Yes. What, what caused change in your life? Because, I mean, you were angry. Let's just be honest. Yeah, I was mom, angry. Even though you knew mm -hmm. God was in control. What's funny is you told me 
um, what hit me is when you had said that God said to you, you asked him why he did what he did and why didn't he keep up his end of the bargain. Yeah. That's hard because. Yeah. Yeah, what did so, he say to you, Sharon? Well, hold on real quick. You know, to, it, it's hard enough to take in bad news, let alone let it go deeper. I was, I was listening to you. I was just Facebook stalking you to give to Christy those pictures. Um, so they can see your son, they, or just see you, or your son with long hair would be you. Um, but, you know, coming home and turning the, you know, buying his own home, but coming home, turning the house into a, a, a hospital bedroom in the living room, and um, Gabe trying to figure out all that life, and, you know, you're thankful and mad at the same time because you're, you're with him the whole time now. But there's so, nothing helping him. Right. Because he's going home. Because he's going home, right. To and, wither and die. Yeah. What did, what, did, what did God say to you when you said that, when you asked why? So when, so when Kyle called me that morning, and I always say, thank God I was home alone. Because when I hung up the phone before I went to the hospital, I had it out with God. Mm-hmm. I threw my phone. It sh- shattered. The, fortunately, the battery just bounced out. But, I mean, I threw it hard. It should have been busted. I was screaming. I was just ranting like a wild animal. And I'm like, who do you think you are? Like, seriously, you're not keeping up your end of the deal. I made a deal with you, and you're, back at, you're backing out. You're not safe. Like, what are you doing? And I was just like, I was cussing him. I, like, God knew I was mad. Like, he knew. And I finally exhausted myself to the point where I fell on my knees in the middle of the living room floor. And when I quieted down, all I heard so clearly was, I'm God. That's who I am. And something inside of me just said, okay. So I had a friend later ask me, so what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? He's going home to die. What are you going to do now? I said, well, I guess I'm going to go home and with him and prepare my son to die. That's what I'm going to do. It's tough. Yeah. That's a tough place to be. Yeah. I, I couldn't even imagine um, to just wrap your mind around it. Not only pain of yourself, but now you've got this added on top of it. These are a few pictures from. Yeah. And you know what? I, I can tell you something is even though you weren't fully where you needed to be with God, he was always fully where he needed to be with you. Yes, yes. And was always right there. Yep. Because he's faithful. And when, that's, that's why I was going to say, what led you? What led you to the different direction? What led you and Jeremy? Because you were still searching for something. I mean, yeah. there was a struggle yeah. after all this. So, so Jeremy and I were never married through all of this, right? We were never married through all of this. We actually didn't get married until after we came to Remnant Church. We were both perfectly happy just living together, which is wrong. It's wrong, 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 wrong. Don't do that. That's wrong. So we, it, would, it was close to a year. Um, I had also been in a head-on collision um, shortly after my son passed away, had my left foot crushed in a car accident. I was actually hit by a 23-year-old kid head-on and crushed my leg, destroyed my car, the whole bit. And then my younger son was going through some traumas of his own. And 
he he finally snapped, and so we weren't in a good place with him. That's a lot of weight. Yeah, that's a lot of weight so for it was anybody like, to carry. It was I mean, you like can't one, even help yourself, let alone trying yeah. to. Well, here we go again. You lost your mom and dad. Mm-hmm. You get separated. You've gone through however many relationships, mm-hmm. and now you're seeing your son go through. Yeah. I'm, I'm losing somebody, my closest person to mm-hmm. me, and then he's going through what you experienced when you mm-hmm. were. Yeah. around that same yeah. age, but in a different way. In a different way, yeah. But it's just the same cycle. Right, right. And it, and it was neglect. just, it was it, for him, and I, I'm not going to go into his story because his story is his story, and when he's ready to share it, he will, but I will say there was a lot of loss around him and for a kid that's getting ready to go from 12 to 13, and he lost his brother, his other brother, his half-brother went to jail, his dad was in and out of jail, his great-grandpa died, his grandpa died. I mean, it was just boom, 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 And mom boom. was trying. And I was trying, but I was lost in my own grief. Yeah. So I wasn't totally present for him. And Jeremy was in and out because he was in the union, so he traveled. So a lot of this we went through just me and Gabe. So, um, so in that time, and say, so what led you? So we were actually, uh, we had a bonfire one night. We had some friends of ours come over, and he had been an atheist. Now, even though I didn't know God completely, he and I would go toe-to-toe. <laughs> and I'd be like, dude, you can't be an atheist. He's like, I'm an atheist. And we are agnostic. Sorry, he's agnostic. So we, we would go toe-to-toe and drinking by the campfires. That's what we did. And so he came over that night, and he knew that we were getting ready. We, we had been through all these hard things, and um, he looked at me, and he says, what are you doing this Sunday? I said, I don't know why. He goes, will you go to church with me? I said, yeah. And he said, are you serious? I said, what church is it? I said, any church that can get you to go to church, I'm going to go to that church. Well, it was Remnant Church. And so he was like, yeah, and he was telling me how he had met you guys, that you came in for some music equipment, and he just really loved your genuineness and just wanted to check it out and really drew him in. And so, yeah. So thank you, Alex. Um, <laughs> but we, so we went to church that Sunday, and it was my birthday. And then the next Sunday was, my son, was Kyle's birthday. And then the next Sunday was Gabe's first time um, going to the church with me. And then, it, then the next Sunday, it was the anniversary. Yeah, the next time we, we, yes, it was the anniversary of Kyle's one year. That's a lot. Think yeah. about that. Each Sunday, birthday, and then you said what? It Kyle's was birthday. Kyle's birthday. Then it was his first time. His coming. first time coming, and then the anniversary of losing your son. All in that same yeah. month of trying to deal, and God brought you to remnant. Yeah, and so what was funny well, and about that was only what the year that was only one, one year. year. One year, one year. He's been gone ten years. Um, Don Ann, see, at this time they, you guys, one of you would preach for a month to six weeks, and then you would rotate out. It was Don Ann's, Pastor Don's month, and I'm telling you, every Sunday that woman had a word for me, and I would go home and cry until I threw up. I mean, it was just like layers and layers and years of hurt and years of stuff just coming off of me. And the one, uh, I think it was the second or the third Sunday that I was coming, I had actually was sitting kind of in the middle of the row next to Jeremy, 
and she was talking about some children that had the mother had lost the children in a house fire and she starts going into the prophetic and she looks at me and she points like she's reaching over people to point at me and she says and she has no idea about any like I've never even I haven't even spoke to this woman yet and she says and I don't care if you've lost a child you got to let that go and I sat back like this. I immediately start crying. Jeremy looks at me. I look at him, and he's like, "Did you say something to her?" But I was do like, you see no. what happened, Sharon? And I yes. want to. I want to point yes, this and out. That's all look, God. see, because all the enemy does is he tries to replicate what God really wants for His kingdom. And you grew up in a home that tried to live under the replication of what true giftings and the things that needed to be done. And it took somebody who literally was allowing God to work in the gift of who he was to give the word of God to you to begin to open up your eyes. And this is what I'm trying to say. This is why it's important to know and understand the gifts of the spirit. Because there is the spirit realm of the world and there is the spirit realm of the heavenlies. And you better understand what is speaking to you and what's coming out to you because if you don't acknowledge that and see what's happening and most of the time any word that's given in prophetic will already confirm what God's been speaking and doing in you and will line up line upon line with the word of God that's been you've been trying to go on in your life or if you haven't been in the word it still will line up exactly with where you are and and you have to the the word of God says to test the spirits and to know what the truth is. And so it, it, it moved in you. What caused you to just release? And finally, what's the moment where you guys realized that you gave your lives to Christ, like fully? I think I've thought about that, you know, like what, what was the turning point for us? And I think a lot of it, the turning point for us was just the consistency and the love that was shown from you guys. Um, because we were going through a time period there where we had experienced this loss, but then we also experienced some other things that made a lot of people that were supposed to care about us turn against us. And we didn't have those relationships anymore. So just the, just the consistency of coming to church and, and doing these things, and we just kept coming back, and you guys just were stable. Like, you didn't judge us. There was no judging there. And it wasn't just Jen, Pastor Jen and Pastor Brandon. It was the whole staff. As a matter of fact, it was the whole church at that time because it was just a, a small, intimate church, and we loved that. Uh, and the you guys knowing that people were praying for us, and really, really feeling those prayers within our home. We felt those prayers within our home. We felt that love, and so I remember when I wanted to get involved with the youth. I went to Pastor Brandon and I said, hey, I, I think I want to be a youth leader. And he's like, okay. He says, but I'm going to, he says, I think you'd be a great one. He says, but this is what I'm going to say to you. If you're in, you're in. He says, we get kids that no other churches will let in. He says, they've been dropped on their butts too much. I've seen it happen. So if you want to be a youth leader, you can be a youth leader, but you're going to stick this out. And I was like, oh, I know all about that. So that, he spoke straight to my heart in that, not breaking promises and not doing these things and not letting people down. So I, I stuck it out. And so just 
the it, consistency well, of building up and just getting involved and, and seeing the difference. Well, and then you begin to build consistency in your own life right. of just trying to and, change yes. and do. And even at that moment, I'll never forget the story of when you had said you had been coming to church, you were doing, but you still every once in a while would drink on the side. Yes. And you were, were okay. at a, a restaurant and you had had a drink. And you were trying to talk all about God to somebody, and oh the Holy goodness. Spirit hit you Whew. as was, you were drinking. As I was drinking. So we and knocked <laughs> you flat on your face and just so, said, uh-uh, yeah. not doing it. My husband and I have an argument about how this exactly went down. But this is my story, so I'm going to tell it my way. <laughs> so we had went out to, he, he loved to karaoke. So we, here we were. We were getting involved in church. We were learning a different way, but we were still going to the bars occasionally and we had been out with some friends drinking all night and doing karaoke. Well, we had went to a restaurant to get breakfast, you know, have those bread sandwiches to soak up that alcohol like everybody does when they go out, right? And we're sitting there with some friends of ours talking, and we were talking, and we started having a conversation about God. And in this restaurant were these youth leaders and pastors. They had come up in a bus, and all these kids, it's like 2 in the morning, and all these kids were in there eating, and these people were sitting there falling asleep at the table. And somebody at my table said something really judgy about that. And I just remember all at once, I looked at Jeremy and I said, I am no longer going to sit here drunk talking about God. Take me home. And he was like, what? I said, take me home right now. So he was like, okay. So we went home. I had bought a brand new bottle it was crown. I think it was crown, the expensive stuff. We came in the house. I got up in my cabinet. I took it down from the cabinet. I opened it up and I poured it down the sink. He's freaking out. He's like, what are you doing? I said, if you want to continue to drink and do that, you go right ahead. I said, but God's got bigger plans for me and I can't do this anymore. And I was done. I was done. Um, and so that was the moment a lot of things started changing for us. Well, it became more real to you. Yeah, yeah like, absolutely. Like, you know, I can do this. And what's so crazy, Sharon, is, um, you know, you've always been a very hard worker, very consistent, you know, with anything that you've always said that you would do here in the church, you've been very consistent with, very um, faithful to that. And um, after you guys had been coming for a while, Jeremy proposed to you actually yeah. on a Sunday morning. Yep, at church. At church. Um, and then you guys got married, which is powerful. You decided to do it right and uh, to make a covenant before God. And God just has continued to use you throughout the years. You've served in the youth ministry for a while, and um, God opened those doors. So it's powerful. It, it was almost like how Gabe and Bree came up and got married in the church. Yeah. But, the, it was, but theirs was a proposal, and it was the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you real quick, if you actually get out of the way, the Holy Spirit will actually do its job. Yep. Right. Yep. And, and, and we saw that unfold. Like, you know, there was that rock in a hard place where they were, you know, I, I think it finally opened your eyes. I'm, I'm tired of compromising. I'm a, car yeah. I'm, I'm a hypocrite. Yeah. I tell somebody yeah. and I'm doing the same thing. Like, and then that had to start changing. But look at what she was doing. She became a youth leader. She lost a son and gained about 30. And some of them are That's sitting true. right here supporting her that were in the youth that are, that are here today that, uh, you know, men, yeah, just men in, in this room that are, that are here today that wrecked havoc in her house when they were all teenagers, had a blast doing it. But it, her The rule world, was when you came in the house, you didn't poke the bear. 
Who's so, the bear? Jeremy. Oh. So the, bo- the boys. <laughs> until, they, until Bryson took your deer head off and oh, act like yeah. it didn't fall. Remember that, Bryson? Um, but, you know, what God does, though, is he, he's a great God of a turnaround. And he's like, you lost one, I'll give you 30. Um, and, and there we can't, you started to help raise these, these young men um, and be a godly mother to some of these that maybe didn't have a full godly mother or whatever. And, um, and, and, and Jeremy as well, you know, as things started turning around, being a consistent man in their life and God doing what he did with, with all of that, it's, it's just been an amazing thing. And, and here you are, you know, as these transitions happen, here you are now help leading the kids' ministry. You're talking about a woman that went through religion, lost a son, went through all kinds of relationships, and now she's leading the kids' ministry at Remnant Church. Like, I don't know if you understand that God will use anybody he wants to use. Well, there's key to something she said, though. She said about consistency within the church. One thing that we as leaders have always said is we consistency is key. And being consistent as leadership and living a life that is, shows consistency with Jesus Christ. And what I get from your testimony after you gave your heart to the Lord and you did things, you are trying to tell them that your life and your relationship with Christ is something you must work on consistently. Yes, yes, always. Yeah. You know, and here's... He, so, somebody said it earlier in here, and it was just like total confirmation. God doesn't quit us. We, so we can't quit God. We have to be consistent, right? And it's just, it's the same thing with our kids. And I think, Brandon, you were the one that brought it up. Gabe knows, and it was a decision that I had to make for some of the stuff that he was going through as a teenager that I didn't quite know how to deal with. The one thing that I got to was I had, God showed me that when people are broken, they push people away. And it's just their broken hearts. And so you have to be that consistent rock. So like when, when Gabe's world was spinning out of control, even though if I didn't do it perfect, and I'm sorry, cause I know I didn't do it perfect. I didn't do it perfect. I decided that I wasn't going to quit him. You don't quit your kids. You don't quit them. You may not be with them 24 seven. You may not be any of that, but you don't quit them. So what I decided to do was I was going to be that center point and show him the love of Christ as best as I could, as I was learning myself. And that's what we can do for our kids. And it's exactly right. Because there was a lot of things that we went through. I remember one time he got to acting stupid and ran away. Oh, and I came in here and was serving breakfast while he was out running the streets. And Brandon, <laughs> Pastor Brandon was like, what are you doing here? Why aren't you out looking for your kid? I'm like, I got to do this first. I got to honor God first and then go find him. That's hard. But I knew, like I knew, that was my position. Because it got to a point with him, with what he was going through, that I actually, somebody, you know, people would ask me, well, what are you going to do? What are you gonna? I'm like, I've done everything I can do. If I interfere anymore, if I interfere anymore with what he's going through, because he knows, like we, we had that conversation, Jeremy and I had that conversation, he knows. 
We got him in church. We got him that foundation. We, we got involved in youth. We had him in youth. We had, we had it at home. We, we, lived, we sold out. We are selling out, right? If I get in his way anymore, who's to know that I'm not interfering with his testimony, with his relationship with God, with him building that relationship? And so I've, I've had to, for my own sanity, and because I know at some point our children have to have their own relationship with God, whether we like the way it looks or not, I have, I had to step aside. And that's hard. But like you said, getting them to the house of the Lord, getting them involved in youth programs and yeah. all the stuff or however that looks. But and no matter how far um, Gabe went and trying to find the answer for himself and getting himself in the stupid trouble or whatever it was. I mean, they're, they're kids, man. They do dumb stuff. But look what's turned around. Yeah. Not only that, yeah. you, 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 I mean, guys, church, you're watching, you're watching a prayer be answered in the moment just a few weeks ago when they came up here and got married. And, you, and, and now you have a flesh and blood, a, a granddaughter, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, from, you know, having so much tragedy and then this, this baby girl that's flesh and blood that She's comes amazing. from your family and it coming up. That, that, that just, and, and just like Bree, and I keep saying it, Bree, because it was the most powerful thing, is like, it stops with me. That, I'm cutting all that. I don't have to live like that anymore. Yeah. And see, yeah. God's, now he starts, he, that, that little girl will never have to deal with what you dealt with, what, with what you dealt with, with what you dealt with, with what you dealt with. None of that. None no. of that ever again. Well, she what's crazy know. is now, Sharon, going back to it, is that the things that you said, you know, if I had one thing I would change, I would help give my kids that foundation but what God has allowed is he also saw the desire of your heart and it lined up with the desire of his will yes and he placed you yep. into the position to help show other children yep. a foundation of Jesus Christ and that goes to show people that when you are faithful to God he will be faithful to you to even the littlest details that you never realize that he wants to restore do you know what I'm saying yeah so can you come up here? No. I'm just kidding. Yes. Come, come sit with me. Oh, okay. okay. Whatever, Gabe. Hey. So, um, completely backtracking. I you don't have to turn him up because he's talking. cannot believe you didn't tell the story. Um, so, when my brother went home and to die, um, the hospice nurses sedated him. So, he was supposed to be asleep till he passed away. And then... Um, so the day before he died, um, remember, he would always hear knocks on his door. And one day he was there alone, and he called my mom, and his door just opened like that. And then, um, so everything was, it was all spiritual. And the day that he passed away, um, we were sitting there, all the family was around. And like I said, he was supposed to be asleep until God took him home. And he shot up out of his bed and threw his hands in the air and said, Jesus, take me home. Jesus, take me home. And, uh, and then he, he died that day. He died about, what, a couple hours later? Yeah. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. I just was really hoping you said that. <laughs> well, those yeah. are rem but those are memories. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Those are things. That's something that stuck even with Gabe from his big brother. Yeah. Uh, that at the end, his last breath, calling on the name of God. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's huge, the fact. That's a huge thing. Yeah, that's that a is, huge memory. And, you know, we could, it could have been bad. Yeah. Could have been real bad. Well, it, 
So him speaking about that, it it kind of, there were some things that I did. When Kyle got sick, we found out on Father's Day. When he got close to the end, he could have died on Mother's Day. And I selfishly prayed to God, and I said, please do not take him on Mother's Day. Whatever you do, don't take him on Mother's Day. And so... Monday, and when Kyle's, or when Gabe's talking about him being sedated, the reason why the doctors came out to sedate him, because I said in the beginning, he had the second most painful cancer next to mesothelioma. When somebody has you in sarcoma cancer, the only option, because the pain becomes so great, is to sedate them until they pass, because they cannot withstand the pain. My son woke up every day for a week because he had a message for somebody, and every day, the doctor would have to come out and change his medicine or up his medicine to put him back under sedation. The really strange thing was he, he woke up every day right around sunset. And he would have a message or a word or something for somebody. And this went on for a full week. Um, I totally lost my train of thought. No, that's okay because you, when you were talking to me, you told me that on the last day he ended up at the exact same time. Yeah. So the, the night before he, he passed, he told his cousin, his, his cousin, um, he called him Uncle Mikey, but it was his cousin, but he was sitting there and he, he woke himself up and he looked at Mikey and he goes, 515. Mike's like, what are you talking about? He goes, 515, just remember 515. He passed away at 515 the next night. So there was a lot of spiritual... Like, you couldn't deny it. You couldn't deny the things that were going on with him. You couldn't deny the fact that his door blew open three times on the day that he died. Like, to the point where I just left the door open. You couldn't deny the fact that he heard his name called three nights in a row while he was going through chemo. He called me one night and he said, Mom, he said, you need to get to my house. Um, Because he wanted me to go home every night to spend with Gabe. But he called me one night and he said, Mom, you got to come to the house. I got to talk to you. I don't know what's going on here. I was like, all right. And this was early on. He said, three nights in a row, I've heard my name called. Three nights in a row, I went to go open the door because I thought it was you and there's nobody there. And I was like, and I had just got done reading the story. Who was it who was called out of their tent? Samuel. Samuel. I had just got done reading the story about Samuel. And I said, well, maybe God's calling you. And what's so crazy is you just don't know what God's going to do in things. But again, going back to the fact of it is he is a redeemer of all things. Yes. And that's what I think we want to leave you with today is understanding that no matter what you've been through, no matter what kind of losses you've gone through, no matter what's gone on, number one, God is always consistent. He is always faithful. He is always there and he's always true. Mm -hmm. Number two it takes you being able to surrender your life to Jesus Christ for things to happen and healing to begin. Mm -hmm. And then when you do, he will redeem all the things that you never thought could be brought back in your life. And that takes consistency from you to live a lifestyle after him. When you accept Christ as Lord and Savior, um, it says that the angels celebrate this fierce celebration, which is amazing. But It's when you walk outside those doors and make the decisions to change everything that you just said you were giving up. Whatever's in those drawers, whatever's in that car, whatever's in that house, the the things you you have, if you're going to do it, you have to start going through it. You see what I'm saying? You got to go through it and get, start cleaning house. Like I can't live, if I'm, 
dedicating my life to God, what, what's these, like we're talking about with the youth, what are these rooms that I have that I need to get rid of? The stuff in my personal life. And so like your occasional still drinking because that's what you did. That's how you cope. That's how you live. And so when it started to affect you and change you, you had this, I can't do this anymore. I, I cannot live another day. I have to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. And, and I think that's what, where it all comes um, down to it because when it's all said and done, we have to choose. God, I need, and, and we're mad. We're so mad at times because we're like, God, you failed me. No, he didn't fail you. You just kept, you left him where you left him. He's still over there where you left him. Go get him. You know, and, and I think going back to that whole thing of, uh, and I hate, like, like you said at the beginning, you're like, you sound like the woman at the well. But, but look what God did, though. Yeah. Look what God did in the end. He transformed your whole life. He spoke into your life. He changed your life. You, 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 you held out with Jeremy, and, and all that came to pass to be something beautiful, and, and it's transforming lives. Yeah. And, and here it is. Yeah. That's the key. And I think that, Sharon, I think the biggest thing that we want to tell you is thank you. Thank you for sharing all that God has done through the hard, through the hard, first of all, the hard things. Um, but all God has done and is continuing to do in you is powerful. And you have been doing an amazing job with the kids in the back. And what I love is what you've probably seen is we are a bunch of imperfect people leading, but we are leading under the covering and the direction of a perfect God who loves and heals and restores and saves and renews. And so it's powerful. I, I love these moments, Sharon, because they just go a little deeper than just somebody coming up for like five minutes and saying a testimony, which I love that too. But if you know somebody struggling or somebody that's dealt with stuff like this, you know, this stuff's going to be on YouTube later. Um, share it with somebody. Hopefully it'll help them, help change some things around. Any of the stories you've heard so far, share it. Go, go share my story. Share my parents' story. Share it her story. It, it, it's a powerful thing that what we see is an overcoming story that God can still use us. He yeah. can still get us out of that pit that we're in. So just, I just want to say this real quick. I know we got to wrap this up, but when you both came to me and asked me to give my testimony, I, this is something I've been wanting to do for a while. So I'm honored. I'm absolutely honored. And it's not because I want everybody to say, Hey, look at me. I want people to see, Hey, look what God did. You know, um, and in the two weeks that I have been reliving some of these things and God has actually put people in front of me this entire two weeks because I was like, do you want me to study? Like, what, how do you want me to handle this? Where do you want me to go with this? Because there's so much that happened in that time frame that it could have went down any rabbit trail. And all I knew was he just said, watch and listen. And so for the last two weeks, God has put songs and people in front of me where I've reminisced with them or they've revealed to me like the last 10 years of your life. Oh, my God, I've seen such a change in you. And and how amazing is that? And just things that other people have reminded me of. My mom. Yeah, my mom even said for the last 10 years, she was like, you have no idea how much you've changed and what an inspiration you've been to me. She told me that, and so it's kind of amazing. But what I want to say is, as a parent, don't quit your kid, no matter what. But don't be a hypocrite either. If you're going to sell out, sell out. 
sell out for God. Get it in your home. Get it in your car. Get up every morning and study. Take the Bible out. Study. Set the example. Be the example. One thing that I think Jim was trying to get me to say that I don't think that I said. I had a friend ask me one time, "What if you could do it over with your children, what would you do differently? And I said, I would have had their little butts in church every Sunday. I would have had their little butts in youth. I would, you know, they would have been there. Because as much as my parents tried to do that, it didn't work out for me, you know. And so if you, somebody said something to me yesterday. I met a man yesterday, and he was like, you know what I've learned over the years? It's not the circumstances or the trials that you walk through. Those are your testimony. It's how you respond to them. And I'm telling you, if you guys knew the full story of everything, which you know the majority of it now, of what we walked through, my husband, my son, myself, just bam, 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 bam. We should all be in a loony bin right now. I mean, honestly, because it was unimaginable the things that people walk through. But because God found us in the midst of everything and because we started building the foundation when we did and we were consistent in that building of the foundation, things that we would have reacted to badly before we stopped reacting that way. You, because you want to be that example of Christ and you want to be that example of God and you want to be that stable for, for somebody or for even yourself and for your own mental health, you start leaning into the word of God and you don't just lean on it, you stand on it. And you change, it change, it really does. And it gets to the point, like I've had a whole two weeks of I would sit up in the mornings and just cry, not because of look what I've done, but it's like, look what he's brought us through. It's look how good God is. Look how good he is. Like look how I faithful. shouldn't be sitting yeah. here right now. But he's faithful. But it, yes. He's faithful. Yes. He's so good. Think, he's faithful. You know, it's crazy church is a few things she said about just the fact that I kept coming back. I just kept coming back. So I love the local church because you don't know if, and if some of you were here from when she was here, you don't know the impact you made on her life by just loving on her and greeting her and all that stuff that took place when you didn't even know like the true depth of stuff that was going on, showing up, just being the love and just coming back. That's what I love about the local church and, and finding yourself, like the commitment that you had to make when it was all said and done. Yes, you should have. You've been a part of Remnant Church for what, 10 years now? 10 years. I mean, that is crazy. And, and, and but just kept coming back. And no, like, have you had ups and downs from, even from, even just from that point on? Yes, we all go through that. I am thankful. I'm going to say a prayer. We're going to get out of here. But Sharon, thank you so much for opening yourself up and just sharing. Thank, thank you for allowing me to. So. Um, so just know if your kids come home and they become Jesus freaks, it's because we are pounding the word of God into them back there. <laughs> but I love the overcoming story because, look, like she said, I shouldn't even be here. And, and God has turned her life around, and now she's helped directing these kids that they can be fully devoted followers of Christ at a young age something she never really got to experience, that she gets to lead it now and see what God's going to do through him. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. God, we're, we're so amazed by your grace. You have saved us, God, and you still care about us, and, and you still want to use us even though we've gone through so many things and, we've, and we're a product of our own choices, and you still see hope in us. 
God, thank you for never letting go. Thank you for not just, just wiping the table and saying, I'm done with them. Thank you for just always knowing that the best is still yet to come in our lives, God, and you see it in us, God. God, thank you for sharing, God, and, and Gabe and, and Jeremy and, um, and Bree and the baby and everybody connected to them, God, that their story is transforming lives. God, thank you for everything you've done in this house and continue to do, God, as we continue to just lay, lay ground on this overcoming, God, and even for the one for next week, God, that's coming up here. God, have your way, God. We, we overcome, like you said, by your blood and a word of our testimony, and we are going to overcome. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Sharon. Give her a hand, guys. Thank you, guys. You guys have a good day and enjoy.